lots of shine. There's no doubt about that. Yes, we are. So I tested the level. We had a problem with the levels on the microphone last week. So mine apparently. Yeah. So it's, well, a difference in level. I normally talk louder than you anyway. You know, that's part of the difference. So what can I do to make it? Two to three inches. Keep your mouth two to three inches there like that. Except when you're drinking like you are now or when you're clearing your throat or whatever. But when you're talking, two to three inches. Leaning closer. Okay. All right. I will do so. I'll try. I'm not a professional, although I... uh, Neither of us are professionals. We'll never pretend to be one. (laughs) There you go. All right. So, uh, did you hear about the Dwayne Haskins accident? Oh, the one that was hit by a truck? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or uh, a vehicle of some sort yeah. in Florida. So, uh, yeah, uh, 24-year-old quarterback or whatever. But um, I think that I am ready to put to bed the whole me getting angry at a driver thing. Um, you know, between that and between um, on Saturday, we took the dogs out and we went, we ended up walking up to Target, but, you know, we went around the circle up there, which mm-hmm. is almost always problematic because it's somewhat blind. Drivers don't stop at the circle. They just go. And so we've run into lots of problems up there, but um, we got to the crosswalk and hadn't stepped into it yet, but we're about, but a car stopped before we even got in the cross, stopped and waited. And I thought, okay, this is the way (laughs) this is. So we're going to put that whole thing to bed now, past it. We're going to assume the best of people and, uh, and we'll go from there. I wouldn't do that either. I wouldn't assume the best. I would continue (laughs) to be paying attention. Well, of course, of course, of course, as he stepped off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You ready to do this? Oh, for sure. I thought we were doing this. We are. I I was recording. I saw. I saw. He's he's learning, I thought to myself. (laughs) All right. Let's get started. The Thinking Knot is a podcast developed to help those who are trying to become better, a little bit better today than yesterday. It is an honest dialogue about the real-life challenges we each encounter as intention meets obstacle in the course of an every day. In our conversation, we weigh rational thought against our gut feeling of what is right, and we forge a path together using what is in our hearts if we can all just awaken and get into rhythm with that beat. Thanks for joining today's discussion. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Thinking Not Podcast. I'm Cap and I'm here with Charles to begin our conversation. I feel like the Ed McMahon to your great Karnak today, Charlie, because I hold in my hand 10 cards to divine the great wisdom that is in your noggin. Are you ready to dish some wisdom? I hope you can see me or feel me shaking my head no. What? You're not? No. Oh, do we need to do a hard reset here? What am I, a tic-tac, a tic-tac dispenser? Yes. No. <laughs> Where do I put the quarter in? Come on. Uh, <laughs> nice. I see this is a transactional experience for you. <laughs> All right. I've taken Charles's suggestions 
of using my colored index cards for greater good. Mm. Actually, I think his suggestion was to store them where the sun doesn't shine. But uh, regardless, on these 10 cards yes. are 10 random things for you to react to or discuss. Okay. There are five general categories with two items in each category, and I'm not going to tell you what the categories are. It was your idea that I just throw a deck of cards out on the table and you pick from them. So yep. we're going to try that today. Good idea. Good yeah, idea. We'll see. We'll see if it's a good idea or not. Because I've done exa- absolutely no preparation other than to man. throw 10 things down on cards. That's my man. And we'll, we're going to discover and explore these 10 cards together organically. Now, we could spend the whole episode on one card. We might get through all the cards. Although I doubt that because we do like to talk. Um, but it <laughs> kind of depends on directly. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of depends on how wise you're feeling today. So oh, geez, please. Are, are you ready to get started? I would like to retire that word. <laughs> oh, wisdom? Yes. Oh, please. Yes. You are the fount of wisdom. <laughs> I'm spreading the cards on the yeah. table. I thought I got to pick them. Oh, you do. You get to pick. I'm going to read, and then you get to answer. Okay. Because I like some symmetry, et cetera, I'm going to mix the cards up so the colors are not together. And just so you know, the colors don't mean a thing. Sweet. They're there because I like color, right? Sweet. That's what you said um, last time. Yeah, but there's no – there's not certain categories that go with certain colors or whatever. It's all random. So go ahead and start us off. What what card are you going to pick up? I'm going to pick up the intro card, which is, hi, everybody. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad hey, to you're be learning. Here. You're learning. I hope you're here. I'm glad to be here, too. Excuse me. And I hope you're here. If you're not here, you wouldn't know it. The suggestion that uh, I made last week about uh, just turning the cards over and randomly picking one, of course, he takes me literally, <laughs> which is perfectly fine. This is the nature of— Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean, of course, he takes me literally? This is part of Cap's thinking process. He says, okay, that was a good thought. Let's just try it. No? No. It is, again, um, part of the enjoyment I get out of this, Charlie— (laughs) is prodding you a little bit. So it's just my way of poking the bear again. Read the card. (laughs) All right, here we go. Oh, oh, this is a good category. This category, and you can see I got the bracelet on today. I know. What would Charlie do? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) All right, so here we go. There's a lot of talk about cancel culture whether it's for political views or past egregious behavior or hurtful speech, how do you handle situations where you love the artist, but you hate their actions? Do you stop watching Woody Allen movies, listening to Michael Jackson music, laughing at Bill Cosby comedy routines? (laughs) There is no way you can ask an every man question, but there's no way I can give an every man response. I can only tell you that when I, uh, When I cancel somebody, I have to ask myself, am I willing to be canceled? You see, because this is the golden rule. So before I decide what I'm going to act and say or do to you, I want to ask myself first, how would I react if somebody wanted to cancel me from something I said or did 20 years ago? Or today. 
Well, that'll happen regardless. I mean, I'm going to say something and somebody's going to want to go, eh, I'm done with that guy. Right. right. And that's a form of canceling. Mm-hmm. You know, you change the channel, you flip a switch. But I want, when I do that, I want to say that idea or that feeling or that approach or that attitude doesn't suit me. Now, some of the best books I've ever read from thinkers. They were horrible human beings, and they had beautiful, beautiful suggestions. So there's imperfect people that are capable of perfectly beautiful pieces of art. And so the flawed creator or the flawed individual is not the basis of the cancellation. What I would say to the individual is, you're out of alignment. You know, what you're writing about or what you're singing about or what you're talking about isn't what you're actually doing. And that out of alignment tells me that they're not really happy. You know, they've done something that's gotten them some fame or some fortune or something. But if I sing like a nightingale and act like something else uh, that's less pleasant to the ear, then I don't want to cancel you. I don't want to say your, your song's terrible. I want to say, how do you connect those two? So that would be my answer is not to cancel a person, but to honestly attempt to understand where's the disconnect here between what you're saying in this arena of your life and what you're actually doing in other areas of your life. Gotcha. That, that makes sense. I like the approach of first employing the golden rule to think about how you would feel in that situation. And I do think that we need to some degree separate the artist from the art because there is beauty that's created by people who have made mistakes. Uh, And we're going to be dealing with this all day today. I apologize for those listeners. We have uh, a lot of construction going on down the street. And when the trucks start beeping, the dogs start talking. So apologize for the background noise. Hopefully we can can take some of that out in in post-production, but uh, I'm sure we're not going to be able to take it all out. Anyway, so Charlie, is there uh, in your mind, again, not asking you to speak for every person, but for you, is there something that would be so egregious that you couldn't appreciate the, the art because of the action? I will, I will give you an example. You know, you use Bill Cosby, okay, and Michael Jackson, all three examples. It's like, for me, if I were to watch the Cosby show now, I would ask myself, am I still laughing? Yeah. Can you laugh when in the back of your mind is, oh, my God, what? I know that this was truly a show, show, show. Same way, can I watch somebody else do a sport that I know their personal life is in turmoil? And uh, because they're one of maybe a group of team players or whatever, I would say yes. But if he was a tennis player and I didn't particularly like how he behaved off court, I would be less inclined to watch how he plays tennis. Yeah, and, and the sports side of it 
you know, I, I recently had some of these discussions. I don't, I don't watch a ton of football. I enjoy a football game. I enjoy being able to talk about the Cowboys with my son, mm-hmm. who's they're his favorite team. Um, but I also love kidding him that, you know, it's a team of felons, et cetera. So um, <laughs> the, uh, but, you know, recently when the uh, Panthers were considering bringing Deshaun Watson on board, in the past, I have been able to separate a mistake and give and want to give somebody another chance. Mm-hmm. 22, 23 mistakes is a lot of a lot of mistakes. That's almost a habit, not a mistake. So for me, you know, I it is so distasteful to me that the whole way it was handled with Deshaun Watson that I don't know that I can watch football this season. Mm-hmm. I certainly, you know, I had pledged to myself that if he had joined the Panthers, that I was not going to to watch a Panthers game. Now again, you know, you can say you can tell me that he and I don't want to be judgy, but you can tell me that he hasn't been convicted of anything, but there's a lot of smoke there. I mean, 22, 23 women who okay. have come forward. You know how I feel about sitting in judgment from afar. Yes, absolutely. And I'm not saying that you're doing that. And what I'm saying no, to is some degree, I am. There's yeah. a temptation there. Um, yes, 23 times uh, is a pattern. There's no question about that. I had a pattern of a lot of mistakes, the same mistakes I've made. Not like that, but a, a mistake is a mistake is a mistake. If I'm stuck in some kind of emotional, psychological loop. So what I wanted to ask you, I put up my hand because I, I, nobody's asking you to hire him. As a, You don't own a football team, you don't, and so you're not a rabid Panther fan either. But if it has soured the business, like the people who own the football teams, they have a responsibility for the caliber of the individuals they're willing to pay. Yes. And they're making a decision that his football skills, they're doing a risk benefit analysis. It's a business decision. Are his skills worth the baggage he brings? And every team right now is weighing that you made a decision as if you were an owner of a team no, he's not worth this baggage. As a matter of fact, I'm so upset with all that baggage, I think I'll stop watching football altogether, or at least for the most part, because they're making bad personal business decisions, and we can just feel the greed and the lack of Yeah, I don't want to support them with my Correct. And money or eyeballs. All right, and this is happening with baseball. This is happening with other sports. We're beginning to realize that the model, the profit model of business destroys human beings. It just makes them into cannon fodder for the business of making money. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, that's often true. Okay. That being the case, I don't have any opinion on Mr. Watson. I would ask people who are running businesses to start remembering that character and behavior reflect on you as much as reflect on them. So if you're tolerating it and you're hiring them, you're asking us 
to tolerate that. You've given them your seal of approval. And we're looking at that going, hey, guys, get your act together over there, will you? Because that looks like you're running a circus. Good. Good. All right. Uh, why don't you pick another card, Charlie? I will indeed. Ah, going with the fuchsia one. Mm. All right. This is actually from the category personal. Oh, geez. You know, we've had uh, a couple of podcasts now. And we still don't know anything about you, Charlie. I tried. I tried to uh, to prime that pump a little bit last week. It went nowhere. So um, we just made a category out of it. All right, personal bio. You wrote. I've got a. I've got oh, a question. I'm I'm, sorry, I've got specific questions. I'm going to ask. So you wrote a book called Owning Ourselves and have a website by the same name. What do you mean by owning ourselves? Well, I certainly don't mean beating the heck out of myself. What I mean is um, honestly paying attention to what I say and what I do and how I feel and not thinking that it's because of something out there. So is it an accountability statement? Is it a being present statement? Is it, as you talked about on a previous episode, uh, awakening or is it all of the above? He just nodded and I nodded. And of course, it's all of the above and probably more than that. But it is a sense of uh, responsibility that isn't about getting punished. It's a sense of leaning in to ask ourselves, did I like that? Did that grow me? What did I learn, if anything? And if I'm doing that, if I'm owning my own walk, I'm not worried about how much crabgrass you have in your yard, and I'm not worried about anything other than how am I behaving and interacting with the world today, then I'm owning myself. And whatever else happens around me, I'm paying attention to, but I'm not taking responsibility for what you did. I'm paying attention to how I respond, not react. If I react to you, it's because it's strictly physical. I mean, you did something and I reacted. But if I'm in a conversation with you or in an experience with you, I want to be responsive to you, sensitive to you, aware of you, as much as I am aware of my own self. And that, when you're paying attention to you and I'm paying attention to me, we start to have the idea that, oh, he's not going to blame me for what he's feeling, and I'm not going to blame him for what I'm feeling. I'm going to say, when you said that, I felt this. Now, I'm not telling you you did that, but you wouldn't know what I felt unless I told unless you. Unless you told right. So when you say something, you know what your intention was when you expressed whatever it was, but you don't know how it landed. From your lips to my ears and my understanding or my feeling, there's a lot that can go on you know nothing about. So that's what I mean by staying present. If I say something and I'm looking for how is there's nonverbal cues, there's verbal cues, there's lots of things that happen in a blank when we're having a conversation. 
Do you drop your eyes? Do you roll your eyes? Do you give me the finger? There's lots of things that happen. But if I'm just like talking, 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 and you're there like, what the f*** is that man trying to say? Oh, yeah, and you bleeped me twice last week. I oh, at least twice. I know. <laughs> I thought this was like an adult conversation. But regardless, obscenities, I feel like Lenny Bruce. I think they're just words, just words. If they hurt, look at what hurts. Don't blame the word. Look at what it's touching and talk about that to someone, even if it's someone who used that word. When you use that word, this is what it relates to me about. And I wouldn't know that either. Like I had a childhood experience around that word or I had a something else around that word that I don't know. That word to me is just like, oh, 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 part of a joke. And for you, it's just like, it's a, well, we've come to know it as a trigger. That's the contemporary way. It, it, it gives you an emotional jolt or a psychological jolt. And as such, you will react as if I hit you. Like physically, you will like take, you'll give a startle reaction. And then, and then you, you know, you'll generally come out swinging because that's what we do when we think we've been attacked. We defend. And the best defense is usually a good offense. Yeah. So um, interesting tangent. I'm, I'm glad you took it. Uh, we'll need to get back to, to what we were talking about. But since you took this tangent. so It's only a tangent. <laughs> For me, part of caring about others is caring what they feel. And if if I not hurt somebody, but if I offend somebody with something I say, I'm fine telling them, well, that wasn't personal. You shouldn't be offended, et cetera, right? But but I don't want to be but that has nothing to do with bleeping you, just so you know. What I bleeped you for or what you were bleeped for was – has all to do with how a podcast eventually gets distributed. And oh. marking a podcast as explicit has some connotations that may limit the audience, et cetera. Oh, so. you're considering things that I have not even ever thought about. I know. And we should have had that conversation, but instead okay. I just bleeped you. <laughs> okay. He has full editorial, uh, what do I call it? Privileges. Uh, and final privileges, by the way. The idea that there's uh, an offense given that wasn't intended. If I go to you shouldn't feel that way. I've given a second offense. Yes, I wouldn't say okay. that. I wouldn't say that to them. I might think it. Well, but that's the problem, though. <laughs> we think that. And if I don't say it, then it doesn't matter. But if you don't think I can feel the vibe coming off you, yeah, no, that's you're true. wrong. That's true. No, no, no. Just dead wrong. And other people can pick. And you're smart and I'm smart enough to get by. But other people pick up on that vibe too where they can just tell. They don't have my interest or I just felt – you know, they just could tell that what they just said didn't land. In some way, it's another form of non-caring, which right. yeah, is problematic. I, well, I shut down. Correct. 
that's what's problematic. I wanted to have a relationship with you. I just took offense. I say F you, and that's not explicit. I say in some form of fa- psychologically, emotionally, personally, in some way, or even in this moment, I just drop it. But that's not leaning in to, can I tell you a little bit about what I just felt or what I'm experiencing in this moment? You change the whole topic of the conversation and go to the feeling. And then you can get to know each other a little better. Whatever it was you were talking about becomes secondary to the feeling that got triggered. Not because you want to fix it, but because you want to know them better. Tell me a little bit more about that. How long have you been hurting from that? Just follow up, follow up, get to know them. And that means that I get a better relationship with you. Now, some people go, I don't want to go there because it hurts too much. And that's really understandable too. And yet, I'll say I had a lot of that pain myself where it was white hot. And all I could do was get close and then I'd get too hot and back away, but I don't run away. I just get a little closer each time and I get used to the idea. Now, I don't know if I'm getting used to the heat or it's losing some of its heat. But the more I do that, the more I touch it and back away, touch it, back it away, share it, not try to explain it, but just try to describe it something begins to loosen in me, whereas it was so unapproachable and so untouchable before, I'm starting to find some language around it to communicate what my experience and my pain was. So what you're describing, Charlie, to me, uh, initially it sounded like a listening skill, and certainly there are some listening skills in there, but what you're describing to me now sounds more like a therapy conversation that you're having with somebody versus a conversation you would have with your friend. Tell me, Mm. you know, obviously in friendship, we want to open up and reveal ourselves and be able to trust and, and talk about things that are important to us. But are th- are these listening skills or are these these are friendship skills okay these aren't therapy skills uh, if anything friendship is therapy absolutely yeah so they're not professionally trained therapeutic skills they're interpersonal skills that we have let languish we- or or that w- are never developed you know one of the things and, and at some point I'll share that's a good point at one point I'll share a story um, that was something of an epiphany for me. But there is very little training that is done in the business world or in schools about how to listen, how to have a real conversation. You know, there's some work that's been done in the last 10 years or so around crucial conversations, et cetera, in the business environment. But it's different than what you're talking. It's a different mm-hmm. level than what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I am – the best way I can describe my approach to my life is I'm very human forward. I'm more concerned with the person in front of me than I am about anything else in that moment. 
So when I'm talking to somebody, it could be about getting my oil changed. It could be about – it doesn't matter what the topic is, but the person in front of me is more important than what it is I think that we're trying to do together. So the function is secondary. It's always secondary. And in business, it is not. Correct. So that's why business becomes so impersonal. And it's just like, just get to the bottom line. Don't tell me how you're feeling. Just tell me what's the point. And I just dehumanized you. I just took away all of what really matters and just made you a functionary. And I did it. Because business allows me to act that way towards you. Well, yeah, and we care more about the product than the person. Well, I have monetized my time, and you're wasting it. So you're costing me money. That is stealing. There's a whole capitalist mindset that becomes attached to my relationships that I take outside of my business and start to apply it to my life, and its results are horrible. You know, the interesting thing, Charlie, is that not only do we not reward managers for having those kinds of conversations, but we don't reward the employees for wanting to have them because then they're seen as weak. Right. Right. If you ever do, if your if your manager ever does get you to open up, yeah. then inevitably, I've seen it hundreds of times where it gets used against you in some form or fashion. Right. There was an old lyric from Joni Mitchell's song. She says, like the church, like a cop, like a lover, you want me to be truthful. And then you turn it on me like a weapon, though. And I need your approval. Wow, never thought we'd get to Joni Mitchell. I'm a font of on, useless on the, knowledge. On the second card, we're at Joni Mitchell. Man, where else can we go today? All right, I'm going to have to start quoting some Foo Fighters to you. All right, uh, another card, Charlie. All right. Okay. Ah, okay, this one, this one is a little bit lengthy. Uh, the category is reaction to a reading. I'd like to buy a vowel. <laughs> You're going to need one. <laughs> All right. So here's the reading. In an overly quantified world of policies and processes, some are swinging back in the other direction. Leaders will suggest that you should trust your gut. A spiritual guru will say that it's important to let your body guide you. These approaches to decision-making contradict voluminous case studies in which people's instincts have led them right into trouble. Our senses are wrong all the time. As animals subjected to the slow force of evolution, we have developed all sorts of heuristics, biases, and emotional responses that might have worked well on the savanna but are totally counterproductive in today's world. It is important to cultivate the awareness that allows you to step back and analyze your own senses, question their accuracy, and proceed only with the positive and constructive ones. Sure, it's tempting to throw discipline and order to the wind and go with what feels right. But if our youthful regrets are any indication, what feels right right now doesn't always stand up well over time. I came across this in um, – Oh, that wasn't your question? 
No, no. This oh, is thank God. No, 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 no. This is something I came across. I was so worried about in you. a source that that I trust. Yeah. Um, but it is very relevant to what we have been discussing in the last couple of episodes, and you know some of the comments I've gotten back to the few people that we've let that we've shared the the, the episodes with so far. We're really struggling with this concept of giving up thought. How can I overcome my base reactions if I don't think through them first? So uh, you don't have your glasses on, so me handing this to you won't matter. But um happy for you to to react to that. And I guess initially, tell me why you reacted so so enthusiastically that that wasn't something I wrote. It's a thinking man's question. This is just loaded. Oh, yeah. It was a philosophy book that I read it in. Oh, it's just loaded with presumptions and and, uh, it's a leading question. It's taking you right to where it wants to take you. This is an open-ended – this is not an open-ended question. This is a pejorative question leading you to believe – believe – that if you step back and analyze your own senses, what in the world do I need to analyze my hearing? Did I hear that or not? Oh, what decibel level do I recognize? What pitch level do I, what kind of analysis do I need for my Savannah hearing? That's my senses. Everything else is what I think about what I just heard, what I think I just smelt, what I think I just tasted. But my senses don't need analysis. And then I take my analysis. I like that. Therefore, I want more of it. That's a thought. My body didn't say, you need more sugar. My body said, ooh, sugar. My mind said, yeah, sweet. Sweet's good. That's a thought. That's a judgment. Sweet is a taste. Be likey is a thought. And then I start leading my life not on my senses, but on what I think I want, what I think I like what I think I need, and I tell myself it's just instinct. That's an interesting way to get out of. So I'm sorry. Let me interrupt you here. So you seem to be lumping rational thought in with, I'll call it reactionary thought, but all of the thinking that you just talked about was a response to a body chemistry change. I ate sugar right. and boy, now my body really liked the way that that made me feel. Well, no, no, you you liked how it tasted. Yeah, but my rational mind tells me, wait, wait, allow me to finish. My rational mind tells me I shouldn't eat sugar all the time. I know better. Science has told me that sugar isn't good for me in large repeated quantities. Okay, I'll tell you what tells you that. The scale. The scale tells you that. I don't know. My belt tells me that. 
my lack of breath when I go upstairs tells me that. And the articles I've read on... Are just thinking and giving you confirmation for what your actual experience is. Like if I eat too much of this, uh, I get sick or I get fat or, or, or just something changes in me that I, ooh, I should pay attention. There's a cause and a effect. I drink alcohol. I feel different. I eat sugar. I feel different. I uh, have uh, an allergy to shellfish and I eat a shrimp. I feel different. It was a very tasty shrimp. I feel very different. My point here is that the difference between having a sensation and having a thought is happening so fast, we call it a reaction. But I've actually processed that entire experience in like nanobites really, really quickly because I'm familiar with sweet. I've already told myself I like it. You give a baby the, uh, a lemon or you give a baby something and you'll just see a reaction. You don't necessarily know good or bad, liked it or didn't like it. You just see a reaction. Well, that's how senses are. Just I respond on the savanna level, lizard brain, call it what you will. But my senses are designed to inform me about my current environment. I agree. I was just making that distinction between what I consider rational thought yeah. versus what the examples you were giving. Okay. The reason why I was going to interrupt and you asked me not to, and I appreciate all of that, was that rational thought's an oxymoron. It's like military intelligence. It's just those two things just really don't exist. We tell ourselves they do, but they really don't. My mind is what's telling me what's rational and what's not rational. So how does it get to decide what's okay. rational and what's okay, not rational? Okay, maybe poor word choice. Not, I'm not hanging you up on a word. I'm just trying to express to you, even if I have a logical sequence, I've designed the logic. I've gotten you to agree with it. That makes sense, right? I go from A to B to C, and I arrive at D, right? You agree. That's logical. And then we co-sign it. I go, yeah, that makes sense. That's logical. And so I give that a word, which is a thought word. There's no logic in nature. There are processes and balances and harmonies and swirls of energies. There's a lot, but there's no logic in nature. This world does not make sense on a quantum level. Don't give me that furrowed brow. You know that. I'm trying. I'm trying to think whether that whether I believe that or not. Uh, that there's no logic in nature. Then that is a very interesting thing because you see, that's a fundamental belief you have been operating under that there is logic in nature. That not necessarily. I'm not sure I've ever really oh. thought about it before. Oh, okay. So, okay. Well, then that'll be for another time. Yes, absolutely. Because okay. that's going to take. Because the thing that makes sense. Some feeling, not some thought. It's going to take some feeling. I hear you. It is. <laughs> because I'm seriously, all good humor aside, but what makes sense to me is very subjective. And what makes sense to you is very subjective. So when I say it's logical, and you say to you, 
And then when you say, I'm being rational, and I'll say, in what context is this rational? So in the context of being human first, I have to put logic and rationality to the side and deal with who are you and what are you feeling right now. We'll deal with how you got there at some point later. But how are you right now? And when you can relax into that moment, I go from having an acquaintance, perhaps cordial and civil and, you know, I call it two-dimensional, stick figure relationships. They're safe and they're unsatisfying. But when I start to get into 3D relationships where I open up a little bit about what I'm actually feeling or how long I've thought something or how long whatever, I start to get into the place where I'm sharing more of myself. And that's what I'm longing to do in this world, is share more of who I am because connection makes life what it needs to be for me, for you too, love. You know, that's what connects us. It's just love. Respect, appreciation, wanting to pitch in, that's all love. All right. So I think I have gotten to a point of understanding and and part of it is that I don't think there's enough time and that it's not (laughs) something that we can prove um, right. one way or another about uh, rational. But, you know, I do believe that the idea of reasoning our way to behavior is perhaps a construct, but uh, I still need to, to think this through. And I'm, I'm not sure that I'm ever going to be 100% on board with the notion that we don't need to include some aspect of reasoning in our moral choices. I understand the dilemma you're feeling and thinking about. I love the fact that you even care enough to lean into that kind of quandary because it's on a thinking level, you will never get to an answer. It'll take you to a certain place. Uh, It's limit. Thinking has limits. And when it brings you to that limit, you either think, well, that's it. Anything beyond my thinking is unprovable or something. Ooey gooey. How about that? It's, it's, so, so I go back to, well, if I can't prove it, it's not real. And wouldn't you know it, that's just not true. There are lots of things that are very real we can't prove. But my mind won't let me go there for real. It'll let me go there in my imagination maybe a little bit. It'll let me go there in some wild speculation. But in how I actually act towards you, very scared. I'm very cautious. I'm very buttoned down not to get anything wrong and not to go too far or ask too much, or as you say, give offense. And so we steer around each other and wonder why we feel so isolated and alone. 
because we're just not leaning in to touch each other in real ways. Not to change, not to correct. So many people think that the minute I let you in, you're going to tell me what I need to do different. I'm not trying to tell you what you need. I'm asking you, what are you doing? And how do you feel? Is this making you fuller or not? Is it opening you up or keeping you shut down? Is it, what is it doing for you to think and feel this way that you're doing it? And a lot of times, you know, I don't know. That's just how I do it. And then I just tease that out a little bit. How long have you been doing that? Did your mom or dad or brother or sister, or is that how you learned it in coaching? Or where did you pick this up? Because you didn't invent this in a vacuum, did you? Well, no, I kind of pieced it together. That's what most people will say. I kind of pieced it together, which is what we do. We construct a worldview from two years old. And then we'd think that by the time we're 14 or 15 or 16, we've got it pretty much 90% completed. And then we just try to implement it. And we run into all sorts of conflict because everybody else is trying to do the same thing. It's because nobody gave us the box top to this 10,000-piece puzzle. Great. That is so true. We teach people the capital of states, and we don't teach them how to collaborate, cooperate, and communicate. We teach them what a state produces or what country grows bananas, but we don't teach them how to pick up a pencil and say, here, you drop this. A lot of times you pick up the pencil, ah, losers, weepers, ah, it's mine now. <laughs> That's the capitalist in kindergarten. It's the law of piracy. It's like uh, the law of salvage, as they like to say. If it's not claimed, I'll claim it. I'll plant a flag anywhere. I don't see one. It's just sorry. That's, That's all right. My, That's all right. Sense of humor. I'm sorry. All right. All right, Charlie. Why don't you pick another card? All right. One more for today. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got to pick a color. I haven't picked. I haven't picked a green. Okay. All right. I don't know if it's actually a green. He's more precise about this, okay. but this is greenish to me. Okay. So. We may actually do two cards. This is a this is oh now that was a spit take. <laughs> no, but this is a two parter. I just got baited. I don't want <laughs> no. green. I don't want green. Sorry, you already picked it. All right. This category is yes. current event. Okay. Not sure how much you've been following tennis, but there's been an epidemic of racket throwing, breaking, and using for self-flagellation. From Zverev to Brooksby to Rublev, we're seeing guys that we wouldn't necessarily expect this from play the part of a spoiled brat. I know we should avoid judging them, but does that mean we should just ignore them? Should they set an example? Are they role models? Is there such a thing as an obligation to the community to act better? No. Not on the tennis court. <laughs> Not on the tennis court. It's a sport. If you can play tennis like Kyrgios and get paid and and do his clowning because he doesn't take it seriously, go on out there and clown. God, he's an athlete. So what? He's not going to be as good or as, you know, whatever. Stop judging him. If he's having a tantrum, feel compassion. He has been driven, driven to this extreme emotional state by the competitive nature 
of what they think they have to do. And it just breaks and they have to let it out. They've hit 100,000 forehand shots just like the one they missed. And they can't believe it. Or that guy just got lucky and he pulled one out of nowhere, so to speak. And a brilliantly constructed point gets a dribble over let court and they've lost the point. So that's tennis. If they want to throw a racket or howl at the moon, I get it. I've been there. Yeah. So I don't judge it, but I do say, do I want to go see him play tennis if that's how he behaves? That's my choice. So I can't change him or expect him to be anything I want him to be or her for that matter. I'm sorry. Uh, any tennis player. Uh, I want us to acknowledge that what it is they're attempting to do, whether it's Olympic athletes or tennis players or any person in the public eye, they've put themselves out there. That's true. There's a lot of decisions and a lot of choices and a lot of dedication. And it's to such an extreme that on the human emotions and the human psyche and the body, it takes a tremendous toll. And to watch them break is not to watch them be spoiled. It's to watch them be human. I agree. I actually agree with you on on this one. I oh, think oh, that <laughs> oh, look how surprised he is, and me too. Yeah, hey, I apologize for that because I actually agree with you on a lot of things. But <clears throat> but no, I, I do think that in competition. You know, first of all, they have worked so hard and so long to reach a level of not perfection, but a level of uh, capability uh, that I think they are genuinely surprised that all of that work has let them down when they have a bad day, Mm -hmm. even though everybody in the world has a bad day at the office. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think you're right. I think there is a level of compassion. I agree that if people buy a ticket, now, in tennis, a lot of times you don't know who's going to be playing when you buy a ticket to the quarterfinals or Depends whatever. Depends on how much money you but, have to buy the ticket. Yeah. <laughs> but I do I do agree that, um, you know, there is a level of, you know, if you don't want to endorse this, then don't go. Mm-hmm. Don't go. Mm-hmm. Now – The second part of this is a reaction to a reading. So you'll remember this is something that I've found and I'm quoting the source here. And then I ask your reaction to that reading. Okay. Whether we like it or not, each of us is a teacher. The ways in which we act and speak portray to those around us, especially the impressionable, what we believe in and value. We are teaching the world who we are every day by our choices, and quite frankly, we hope that no one is really paying us too close of attention. You're smiling. Yeah, I'm smiling. Of course I'm smiling. Why? I'm familiar with the words. I'm familiar with the feelings, and I'm familiar with trying to live that way. Yeah, I got it off your website. It was something you wrote. (laughs) I didn't know where you pulled it from, but I knew it was <laughs> somewhere out there. Then I had inked those words or the, uh, that feeling. Um, 
it is not a pass fail. It's not a test. When I show up and be who I am, I'm not trying to impress you. What would be the point? Because I don't even know what would impress you. I don't know if my sense of humor would impress you. I don't know if my bank account would impress you. I don't know what would impress you. So the only thing I can do if I really want to be honest is to show up being me. If you like that or if something about that impresses you, I will dissuade you from being impressed. But I will appreciate if you like me. But there's nothing impressive about me any more than I find impressive about you. Because your goodness and your humanity are just as sparkly as I want mine to be. So we're in this together and I'm not competing or comparing. I'm trying to just cooperate and, and co-create and, and, and have fun and make it safe. It's got to be safe. And by safe, I mean I won't tell you that I agree with you. I'll tell you that keep talking your truth. This is going to evolve. This is going to develop when we lean in honestly towards each other. Something grows that we couldn't have predicted or thought would. It happens. That's why yep. I, I get my thinking out of the way. Like, I don't know how this podcast is going to go. And right now, I will tell you, I feel it went really well. When I listen to it later, I may have second thought. <laughs> but I want to let you know, Cap and I have made really good eye contact throughout this podcast. He's smiling and I'm smiling. We don't know if this is going to touch anybody else. I know it's touching us. Yeah. And, you know, for what it's worth, Zoe's speaking her truth. For what it's worth. <laughs> and I like her voice. <laughs> That's the dog, by the way. All right. Thanks very much, Charlie. Thank you, my friend. All right. That wraps up today's discussion. Thanks very much for listening. If you enjoyed the conversation today, please rate, follow, or subscribe, and review. You can find more of Charles's writings on his blog at owningourselves.com. And you can find more of my work at liveforwonder.com. Thanks for listening. We hope your journey is filled with wonder and that every day brings a little kindness. Be good to each other.